I'm Jim Wills, and this is the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. When I have experienced films that are transformative, I feel like it makes me able to understand the world better. So if you're an artist and you think that you've got something in you, close the door. Work. Make art more than you're thinking about art, and the rest will figure itself out. Art is how we respond to our environment. It's a way to process external events. Oneness, I think, is the only way that all humans on planet Earth will be able to sustain and, and progress and move forward in our evolution. All right, this week on the podcast, I am su- I'm super excited because this gentleman I've known for many, many years. I think I've known you since 2010, 2011. Let's see, two, I'm gonna say 2012. Yeah, that's around when the time that I, I was able to get into a fine art gallery. So I think that's the time where I broke into the industry. Okay, so I've met this gentleman 2012, so it's almost been 10 years, nine years plus, and I actually met him at a gallery opening, the, the days of this gallery in Denver called the Mike Wright Gallery. Sadly, it's gone, no longer here, but he had Angel's work and I saw it there and was like, this is beautiful. And it was very, oddly enough, it was very similar to style to my wife, Jan Race's work. I've been really fortunate to know Angel and he's done a lot for Crave Magazine. When we had the magazine, he's, he's uh, given artwork as a gift to the magazine to sell for charity and to raise money for the magazine, for our the fundraiser that we did at the beginning of the magazine. And I'm so th- I'm so thankful to have him on the podcast again to talk about his art and to talk about his career in the arts. Uh, one thing I'll say before I officially introduce him, I have artists on of all different skill levels and all different areas of in their path to the career. And one of the things that I'm really excited to talk to Angel about is because he's on the cusp. He's an artist that's been doing art for many, many years but he's not yet a full-time artist, but that's where his life is taking him. And he has a great story about how he's getting there and what he's done to get on there. So I'm so very excited to talk, talk to him about that. Without further ado, super long introduction. I'm so proud to have Angel Espino on the podcast with me. Angel, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Jim, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to do this and uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. Well. I like to think of this as a conversation. So we'll just chat about a little bit about your career as an artist and, and the things that you've talked about before we started recording. But if you've listened to my podcast, my friend, you know that I always start off with an inspiration. So I'm going to ask you to start off the conversation that way. Would you give me an inspiration that you carry with you through life, no matter what it may be? Share it with the audience. Uh, an inspiration that I carry with me is that I've always felt that Doing art is, 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 you can change the world through art. And it's something that was taught in my eighth grade art class through a teacher, Miss Antebi, which we're still in touch. And she inspired me and, and inspired the whole class and a lot of friends. But I have always carried that with me, that knowing that art can change not just one, oneself, you know, it can carry you through depression or, or difficult times, but you can also touch other people through your art. And that's been my goal through my art is to uh, inspire others or, or brighten their day or if they buy your piece and give them something they can look at and inspire them that day or just uh, touch them in a positive way. So that's a great answer. And it's actually knowing you and knowing the kind of person that you are, when I hear that answer, a lot of people would hear that and go, oh yeah, that's what all art is about. Like, oh, it's all like, frou-frou and it makes people feel better or whatever but I know you are a man who lives that and Thank you. and and actually has that integrity in your heart and in, and in your art which we'll get into so what was the what was the quote that the teacher said to you uh the the quote that I that was given to me was actually by a good friend of mine uh oh, okay my, my best friends uh when I started painting he was he really liked my work and where it was going and he, and he was so touched because he he didn't know that I was an artist and I didn't know I was an artist. And, and once he saw my work, uh, he always, I, I told him from the beginning, I want to do something positive through my art. And he said, 
your creativity and your imagination is a gift from God. And what I do with it, it's my gift back to God. So one of the best ways that I can give back is use my art to help other people, especially like organizations that I've worked through nonprofits. And uh, that's always been my goal and my drive uh, and my mission through my art. Well, let's get into that a little bit more and then we'll come back around because I want to talk about some of those organizations. If you don't mind, I think they would appreciate that. And, but let's get into your story. Cool. <laughs> like I said, I met you when you were at the Mike Wright gallery, yeah. but as part of the intro to my long drawn intro, I said that you're not yet a full-time artist, right. but you have an interesting story. And I'd love to hear kind of the both paths and how they're coming together. One path being what got you interested in art and, and what started you creating art and then like where you are now and, and how that's allowing you to become a full-time artist. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. yeah. it, it's kind of cool that, that I met you because I was, had just started painting maybe a, a year before I met you. Okay. Uh, and I fell into the fine art gallery scene by total accident. I started painting maybe 12 to 18 months before the Mike Wright so uh, art show that I, that you attended. Okay. Uh, and I've, I started painting by accident because I was actually in Kansas for a boxing tournament that I, that I was competing in. Okay. And I took some time off on a, on a, on a day before the, my match, just to get my minds off things. We went to a museum, my wife, my daughter, myself, we went to a museum and I happened to see my first Van Gogh painting in person first mm. time. And that inspired me to start <laughs> painting. I told myself I need to paint. And I've always wanted to paint or do art ever since my eighth grade art teacher inspired us. But I just didn't have the resources, the time, the money. And finally, as an adult, I was able to do that. So after the tournament, I got home and I decided to paint and just started painting like a madman. And something just just triggered it. Uh, it could have been Van Gogh, you know, just yeah. beautiful work, the textures, the colors, it was like, a, it was an eye opener for me and I didn't want to waste any time. So did you have, did you have any kind of art in your life as a child? Had you done art as a child or any of that kind of stuff? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. Ever since that eighth grade class, uh, I've always had in back of my mind. I, I knew I wanted to do it, but just the circumstances uh, growing up, uh, never, we didn't have the resources or I didn't have the time or, you know, we grew up you know, fairly poor. So just wasn't there, you know, but in back of my mind, I know I've always wanted to do it. I was always a fan of art. I always followed artists. You mm -hmm. know, I would, you know, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Jackson Pollock. I always loved these artists, especially the, like, you know, the abstract expressionist. Yeah. And, but I always been a fan, but I never got into it, you know, in back of my, back of my mind, I've always had it. I, I would like to do this someday. But seeing that first bang go in person, it just triggered it. I said, I need to stop everything I'm doing and I need to pick up a brush. I just, something happened that, that day. And I started That's painting. Awesome. Yeah, I started painting. And then I called, I called CU. I wanted to get into CU Boulder and do follow, get a master's in fine arts. And they asked me to send 22 samples of my work <laughs> within 22 days. <laughs> and I, so I pick up a book at Barnes and Nobles on 10 steps to become an artist or something like that. And yeah, I yeah. just opened the book and started painting, sent in 22 images. Unfortunately, um, I wasn't accepted <laughs> in a way. It was kind of <laughs> good because uh, it just started something in me, you know, sure. I was painting so many, so many pieces and just such amount of short time. I just kept painting. And then from there, I started showing artwork in, in coffee shops. All right. And, in coffee shops. And, uh, and, and I got into a mid-century modern furniture store. <laughs> that was the highlight of my art that, career. That's, <laughs> how, how long into your art career was that, would you say? Oh, I would say within six to eight months. Okay. Uh, well, that seems pretty fast. Yeah, it was like, fast. And it was by accident, too, because we were there to see uh mid-century modern chandelier or or some something we were looking at uh light fixture or something and right. uh, the owner of the gallery saw me looking at their art on the wall and he asked me just out of the blue are you an artist i'm like well i paint 
And he goes, can I have <laughs> images? And I showed him and he goes, wow, this is cool. Can I see it in person? I went home that afternoon and came right back and showed it to him. And he hung some of my work. And oh, wow. Just, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and it, happen it happens to be an architect walking by that store, happened to see it weeks later, see my art and bought, bought some work. And this art architect was going to, he just wanted to stage one of his homes that he built. So he can sell it and stage it with mid-century modern furniture. And my work at the time was looking a lot like more like Jackson Pollock, abstract expressionist drip, drip paintings, what I, yeah. what I mostly do. And he bought some work and he called me and wanted to see more art, but also wanted to frame my work. So I, I set up a meeting at the Mike Wright Gallery uh, because they, do, they, they, they were framing at the time that would frame right. artwork. And that's so right, yeah perfect time to get in there and show this, this new potential collector, my work. So I, I call the gallery and say, yeah, come on in and bring, bring your client. And then I go, can I bring more art? He wants to see more work and might get it framed there. So they're like, sure, no problem. Bring them in. So I brought in <laughs> like a dozen pieces and we, uh, we did like a presentation for him and he bought seven paintings and have them all framed right there on the spot. Oh, wow. So, so the gallerist calls the owner, Mike Wright, and Mike Wright comes down. He lived close by down the block. And Mike Wright looks at me and he's like, is this your work? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, and he looks at Sarah and he, he goes, well, let's, let's, let's get him, let's get him a contract. Uh, we would like to sign you up. And that's how I got into the Mike Wright gallery. <laughs> Now, are you are you from Denver? Are you born and raised in Denver? Uh, I'm a, I was born and raised in Texas, in El Paso, Texas. Okay. And I, and I moved to Colorado to uh, attend the Art Institute of Colorado. And All I right. Okay. That's how I got my Bachelor's of Arts in Industrial Design. Uh, oh, really? Okay. This is product design. What year did you graduate from? Uh, from like 2005. Okay. Yeah. I, I <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff there I want to unpack. <laughs> First is it's so funny they shared the story about doing the images for CU to get your master's. When I got out of the military, I I was in Florida and I was like, "There's in Florida, there's the Ringling School of Art and Design in Sarasota, and it's wow. a pretty acclaimed art school in the South." And so I was like, "Well, if I'm going to live down here, I want to go to a really good art school." I was into photography at the time. I had the same exact experiences as you. <laughs> I applied for the school, and you had to show your portfolio. And I had just gotten out of the military, so I had like zero portfolio to speak of. It's like, if you don't have a portfolio, you have to create these five pieces of work. And it was like a self-portrait, perspective, you know, and I don't remember the other ones. And I was like, my, my like visual art skills are pretty much zero, you know? And so, <laughs> or submit, you know, these 20 photos from your portfolio or whatever. And I didn't, I had, you know, nothing. So the first year I, I submitted my, here's what I have instead of a portfolio and did got totally turned down. Not surprised in the least. <laughs> but the second year I had enough to this. I applied two years in a row. And the second year I had enough to, to submit a photography portfolio and I got accepted. Oh, oh awesome. And, I, and then, yeah, thanks. But then I decided not to go. Uh, I got, I got that. If my memory serves, I got a good job offer in photography. So I decided not to go to the school, but it was the same exact experience. And then the way we also, we tied together is, I went back to college because I had worked in photography for many years without a degree. And I went back to school at the, at AIC. I graduated in 24 degree, 2014 with a bachelor in arts of photography. <laughs> oh, really? Awesome. <laughs> That's here in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. AIC downtown Denver, right next to Oh, right I didn't down. know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just look at that small world, my friend, small world. Oh, I didn't know we we're alum alumni artists. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole like conversation. <laughs> um, let's talk about where you are today. Like, so th this previous part of your getting into the art, and it's I also wanted to step back and point out, people can look at what you've done and said, "Man, he did everything right," because you did everything right. And what led you to to those making those steps? Uh, I don't know what what drew you to that, but it was obviously you were aware and you were paying attention to your surroundings and your opportunities that were presented before you. You had this opportunity of, hey, here's somebody that likes my work, is really interested in maybe purchasing my work. And the way, you, like the first one, let's say the first one at the gallery, let's just say it's completely random. You meet the guy at the gallery, he says, hey, are you an artist? Let's just call that random. But right. then from that point forward, you had a very specific, hey, there's a guy that sees my work, interested in buying it. 
you could have easily invited him to your home. You could have gone to his office. You could have met him at a third, you could have met him on the street or whatever. You yeah. intentionally chose, hey, let's go to an art gallery, a frame shop. Right. To possibly frame this work. I will take more work, which he might buy in addition. So then you thought of multiple sales. And oh, then yeah. the fact that you're at the frame shop at a gallery, perhaps this gallery may see my work and may like it. Right. They may not, but you're taking that, you're, you're putting those sort of those pieces in a line for yourself to have success. Well, that was, oh, that was very calculated because I was looking at the time at different galleries that I like and uh, maybe potentially down the line, a few years down the line, I might approach. And I was looking at different galleries in Denver, uh, Lodo area, Santa Fe Art District, Ch Cherry Creek Art District. And the one, some of the ones that caught my eye was the Mike Wright Gallery because on their website, it has some really beautiful, colorful images, kind of like the style that I love and I would like to show in. So yeah, I, I, I was interested in that gallery. That was in one of my top three galleries I would love to show. And just by looking at their website, I hadn't walked in the building yet. And knowing that on their website, I saw that I made a memento note that they, they framework also, they had a frame shot. So yeah. when this- That's a two for one. It was perfect. It was this client. I was like, well, perfect. It gives me a chance to walk in, make an introduction of my work, and also uh, have a client's art, uh, you know, get get framed, and maybe we we might make make a sale. Uh, his name is Derek, and he is an architect, and he happened to be he's still one of my number one clients. Uh, he has over twenty two of my pieces that, wow. that he's bought since then. Yeah, so we've become we've become great, great friends, almost like family, and he's the one that supported my work in the early years. And uh, when nobody else would even look at my work, he, he was yeah. like, I want to see it before anybody sees it. <laughs> so did you show your, did you show your work to other galleries or other people? At the time? No, this was one of the first ones uh, that, that I showed my work. Uh, I would, I would do the art walks and talk to curators or gallerists and they, they would just say, well, go online and make an application or, or do this, do that. And I, I really never had a chance to do a proper uh, introduction or a presentation to anybody else. So, so this was kind of pure chance where yeah. they allowed me to bring in my work and then show it to the client. And since he cut a check right there for seven, seven of my pieces and also cut a check for, for framing about five, seven pieces at, right there on the spot. So I think that gave me a big boost in credibility Sure. Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. Not only an architect, but he's definitely an art enthusiast. You said a couple things there too, which I want, I'd love to discuss a little bit. Mike Wright, let's just give our hats off to Mike Wright uh, for recognizing yes. you as a talent, having you. I, it was a, such a shame that their gallery closed down, but it was my favorite gallery in downtown Denver. They had great events. They had great art, great artists. Great and so two things there. One, that you saw a gallery that you liked their art. And therefore, you also equated this as a potential gallery that might be interested in your art because it was something that you jived with. And I think that's very important for any artist. You know, you don't try to hang your modern art in a gallery that shows classic art like it's not going to blend. So be aware, you being very, very aware, I think is key. Also, the other thing I want to ask you about, if you don't mind, how did you pr how did you price your art, your early artwork and then versus, versus what you're pricing it today? We don't have to get in specific numbers, but like, how did you? Oh, Come up with what should I even charge this guy? Uh, initially, when I first started showing in coffee shops and pizzerias, I didn't know how to price. And okay. a good friend of mine, fellow artist, he said, "Ma'am, multiply everything times three. And I go, "What do you mean? Uh, your 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 brushes, your your canvas, your paint, just whatever. Add up the total and multiply times three because that way you get your money back, you get a return." and in your investment and so if i spend a hundred dollars i would sell art for you know three hundred dollars and yeah, yeah. those were the prices initially until i got to the furniture store mid-century modern store the gallerist the store owner he priced it himself he said no this is not worth 300 this is this should be 600 a thousand twelve hundred and okay. then he's the one that kind of gave me idea about how much i should charge for square foot and at the time, it was like $50 a square foot or something like that. So uh, fast forward to Mike Wright. They're the ones that kind of helped me uh, apply the, you know, the price tags on it and said, hey, this is what we sell. Because not only that, 
we take a percentage. So they were, I think we we're doing at the time 50, 50, 50 for the gallery, 50 for the artist. So yeah. prices got a little bumped up. And so I, we, we bumped it up a little bit more according to what they felt that the prices should be at. So from there, pieces went from 300, 1200 at the furniture store to, you know, up, up north of 4,000 a piece, you know, so, which was huge for me, you know, just coming into the art scene. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, right now, my work is going for 500 a square foot. Uh, that's where I've been selling at. I had a show in Lake Tahoe, uh, Marcus Ashley Gallery. And when I did an intro, uh, they invited me to do a, a solo show. And that's when they asked me, well, what's your prices per square foot? So at the time, I was selling for 200 350 But I looked at the prices in their gallery and their artists. They were way above what I was selling. So knowing that they were going to take 50%, I believe, uh, I bumped, I doubled everything. So from 200, mm. 250, I went to 500 and <laughs> did well, sold two, three pieces there. So then I, I that's where I kept my prices at. Okay. Uh, that, wow. So initially you weren't sure and you went with a friend who said three times, which makes, you know, which makes sense. And I, I've heard that before. I've heard people talk about it and it, and it does work. And then you started having people saying, hey, we think that you're, we can sell your work for higher than that, basically. And you said, okay, let's try it. And you found pieces sold for that. And then at the Mike Wright Gallery, you had success at the Mike Wright Gallery, yes? Yeah, definitely, okay. definitely, really well. Okay, so then Mike Wright Gallery did the same thing. He said, hey, we, this is kind of like, I don't want to say standard, but we have prices, we have pieces that we sell in this range and we want to try selling your pieces in this range to see if people will buy them. And right. so they did. What's and then you did this the show that you talked about in that the same thing happened. What's interesting, I think that you haven't. I don't know if there is a top, but you haven't found your limit yet. Like, yeah, people. Yeah. Each time you try, you go higher. Like next time, you might go to seven fifty or a thousand dollars a square foot, and maybe people will buy it, or maybe no one will buy it. And then you'll have okay, maybe right now here I am, but I don't know. You know, you never know. And I like the fact that you're not afraid to try it. Oh, no, you, you can't be afraid to try it. And also, the more you get into your work and fine tune your craft and be around more art, whether it's galleries, museums, art shows, art festivals, you start kind of gauging where your talent, where should be at. You know, you start right. you start giving yourself a little bit of credibility and saying, I think I can hang with at this level now. Yeah. You know? yeah. And if you don't believe in yourself, then your clients are not going to believe in you. You know, when you start pricing, and you deliver quality art, uh, you know, you start fine tuning your craft. Uh, that's when I think the prices start going up and you don't hesitate to, to price it at that, you know, um, it, and it's something where you got to be level headed also because you, you start putting prices on something thinking I deserve this. Yeah. Maybe you do deserve it, but does the market, you know, is the market going to respond well to your pricing? You know what I'm saying? So it's all where you show and price for your clientele too, price for the demographic where you're showing. So I just did a, an, a pop-up show called Pancakes and Booze Art Show. And <laughs> what I like about that, that show is that that's where I did, that was one of my first shows. So okay. I recently did like a 10-year reunion. I went back at where I started. So I did a collection just for that show because I knew oh, I nice. can't price at 500 a square foot. So I priced it back to three times whatever it cost me. So everything oh, went wow. back to square one. And I ended up selling almost everything that night except for one piece. So, so that, did, it, did it turn out to be a bigger night than? Oh, definitely. It was uh, it was a great night because a lot some of my collectors went there and I messaged them. I go, look, you're going to be able to buy art at a price when I first started and it's not going to happen again. 2012 um, prices, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it did. And it went, it went really well. Uh, some of my collectors were first in line to get in and right out the gate, they, they bought some pieces. And so it's marketing and, genius right there. Marketing 101. It's not even 101. That's marketing like high level genius. That's, that was brilliant, <laughs> man. Let's talk about collectors for a minute. Yeah. You've mentioned it a few times on this, on this conversation. How important are the collectors to you and your art? My my collectors are so important to me, especially like Derek Shapiro, the architect, uh, have some more new collectors that are just coming into the scene. Uh, they mean so much to me to the point where when I paint and I do a piece, 
sometimes I just give it to them. You know, it's come to that point where, where I realized that you, you almost groom a collector, you, you work, you invest in a collector because once that you know that they love your art and you know, they're going to buy more, you want to build that relationship. And mm. it's, it's really a relationship and not just a friendship, but it's like a relationship. Uh, recently I had a collector, a couple that I was dropping off a painting and to her house. And she mentioned that her daughter will love something that I, that I've done, but she, she's a girl, she's five years, six years old. She likes bubble gum and cotton candy. And just by her, the words that she mentioned, I went home and painted it. And the next time I saw her within three days, I dropped it off as a surprise. And she's oh, like, wow. wow, she was like, we we're just talking about it. She's like, you went and painted it. And she, and when you go out of your way like that for a client, you locked in loyalty, you lock in a, a lifetime collector, you know, uh, and they become collectors now. I think they're up to like nine, 10, 11 pieces now. Wow. And, that's fantastic. Yeah. And they don't mind as you increase your prices, they don't mind paying more because they, they see the value in your work and you're doing things like this give back of giving them a gift back. And so that's, and right. saying, here's an opportunity for you. I know you like my work and I appreciate that. Here's an opportunity for you to buy. If you value it here, you can buy it at a much lower rate than you normally would. And they see that as an investment. They see it as value. I'm investing in this guy and I'm getting his work, which I already like for cheap, much yes. cheaper than I would if I bought it from a gallery. So yes. I think that's, that's brilliant. That's great. That's such a great thing, man. Congrats oh, for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it's definitely a strategy because uh, like you said, you're given that opportunity, but they appreciate that you reach out to them too, because every time I do a new piece, uh, I have a list of top collectors that I just sent a message before I put it on my social media or website or, oh, or wow, yeah. show it, they get to see it first before anybody and they get to bid a price on it. You're like, well, what's it going for? And I'm like, well, before I show it in a gallery, that's going to take 50% off. You can get it right now for this much. And, and sure enough, that's the, before anybody sees it, they'll, they'll, they'll just, you know, PayPal me or Vimo right out the gate before they see it in person. Oh, that's and brilliant. So, that's so that's they, awesome. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I do when it when I start when for my collectors, I'll I'll send them images before anybody else sees it. And once they buy it, then I'll post it on either Facebook or Instagram or I'll put it on my website and it's already sold before anybody sees it. So wow, they appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's like a win-win right there. Yeah. You, you get a buyer that's gets it at a, a price they're happy with, and then it's a guaranteed sale from your end. That's, that's brilliant. Let's what's you've just shared a whole bunch of like business tactics and thingy things you've done for your art career. However, like I said, at the beginning, you're not a full-time artist yet, but you've been right. in the community for about 10, 12 years or so. So let's talk about where you are today. You, you work at a casino in Blackhawk and you're a craftsman, you said, right? Real craft. yes, uh, yeah, ideal craps, uh, table games dealer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, specifically craps only. Uh, mostly craps. Uh, uh, I kind of like dealing that that game better. It's a lot more action, a lot more interesting. Makes the day go faster than blackjack or or current. We call them carnival games. Uh, craps is more complex. Uh, you got to be able to calculate probabilities and ma math really fast on 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 literally on a drop of a dime. Now, so, did you have to get like a certification to be able to? No, no certification. Uh, just you, I took a class. You can take a class and learn okay. the game, but you have to break in the industry, which is harder than just taking the class. Sure. You, know, you really have class to- is your first step in the door. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah. And you got to pay your dues and, and move up and become, you know, get into craps and become a, a full-time craps dealer. It okay. took me, broke in the industry in 1997. So wow. uh, I've, been, I've been dealing for a long time, uh, 12 years at, at the casino where I'm at currently right now. You've been dealing 12 years. How long did you work in the casino before that, dude? I, I, I worked from 97 to 2002. And then okay. I moved to Colorado in 2002. And that's when I went to the Art Institute for four years, got my degree, my Bachelor of Arts degree. And I focused in industrial design. Wow, focused in industrial design. And you're doing abstract art. And <laughs> you're working as a craps, a craps dealer. So, <laughs> however, working at a craps dealer has provided you with some uh, more opportunities for your art. So if you will, talk, talk about that. Also, you mentioned before we started recording, 
about uh, business, how you have, have your own business as an entrepreneur, and then how that's leading you into this goal that you have of becoming a full-time artist. Oh, yes. Uh, being Working in a casino gave me a great opportunity, uh, making a great living, uh, great income. But the best part about it is that this job doesn't stress me, stress me out. So when I get home, I have free time to you know, pursue other things. So it gave me that great opportunity. Plus, I was able to buy this house that I'm living in now with with uh, I have a full basement, which is now my art studio. And <laughs> nice. I have, yeah, I have a place where I can paint. I can roll out a 20 foot long canvas if I want. And, you know, I've done 14 lo- foot long pieces in my basement because I have That's that. That's awesome. Yeah. So that allows yeah. me to have the space, the time and also the finance to pursue this long term um this this dream of mine you know yeah. it's been a lifeline a lifelong dream of uh, to be able to do art and just paint and not necessarily become a successful artist i would never pursue the money aspect of it uh just just wanted to pursue the craft and learn the craft and and develop my style of art and so by working in a casino it allowed me to do that so i started painting i started making money off my art and what i did is i turned that around um, and I started creating table games, uh, inventing table games. I've noticed that the industry was falling back in the dark ages. So we needed to create new games. So I started creating games and pen games. And uh, two years in a row, I won uh, the best table game of the year award for two okay. games that I developed. And that, yeah, thank you. And, and that got the attention of an online provider that that uh, provides online gaming and we just recently signed uh an nda so i can't talk too much about it but we also we're in the process we already finished negotiations so we're in the process of uh, signing a contract and sell some of my games and that would provide enough you know income to where i might not have to work anymore and then be able to do art full-time so that gives me that opportunity to do that so i might Hopefully, 2022 by 2022 next year, um, I become a full-time artist. I was just approached by Algora Gallery in New York. Uh, they would like for me to show in New York. It's in the Chelsea Art District. So by being able to not work and focus my art and create a collection for them, uh, I'm hoping that everything works out, pans out great, and be able to become a full-time artist. Dude, that's that's awesome. Congrats on that. And I- I want to point out, so you you have the 2022 as kind of a time frame there, which would be where? Somewhere around 10 or 12 years, maybe? Yeah, 10 years. Uh, 10 years exactly since I picked up a brush and started. Uh, 10 years. Painting. So it's really interesting that you're doing that. And I think it's super smart way to become an artist. I was just thinking of Acuda San Miguel as a Spanish artist that I introduced, that I interviewed he paints large murals all over the world. And he had said that it took him nine years. He was a, he started out as a street artist painting graffiti in Spain and grew his craft where he got, he got hired to create, to paint instead of graffiti, to paint an actual shutter in front of a business. But he said it took, it took nine years before he was able to live off of his artwork. And uh, now he's all over the world. So what I love about your story is you didn't just give up and say, I'm gonna be an artist and then struggle, struggle, struggle. You knew you had a family. You had bills. You had already had this career that you enjoyed and were pursuing, but you there was something that was, I don't want to say lacking or wasn't super fulfilling, but something that you wanted to stretch. And maybe it was just your creative muscle. But you said, hey, I, I want to stretch my creative muscle, which you did with the art. Then you kind of took another entrepreneurial path with the table games. And what I love is that you say it's it's not about money, but you realize the things that that making more money or having more time have allowed you to do. And it's allowed you to free you up by charging more for your artwork. It's allowed you to free up more and more time to dedicate on doing art, which you find brings you great joy. And it's obviously brings other people a lot of great joy too, because it's, it's beautiful artwork. Also, you, you like you're right on the cusp. You, again, like I said, you didn't just, I'm going to dive in. And because you knew you could dive in and probably struggle. Yeah because there's, there's, those stories are all over the place about artists who struggle and I haven't made it, but, but it's interesting that you have this goal of mine and I know you're going to reach it, man. I know full well you'll reach it and you'll be like, I no longer have to work if I don't want to. And I think that's, 
should be the goal of everybody. Do what they love and they're passionate about. And I love that you're you're right yeah, there, man. I, I think I think that yeah, you're right. I have a lot of artist friends that have ten times more talent. I know that have they're super talented at what they do in their their style of art. But I've heard artists tell me, "Well, you're not a real artist until you're a full time artist." And I I disagree with that because it, it's not easy just to give up your, you know, your day job and then try to struggle as an artist, because then you'll struggle at family, you'll struggle at your finances. And then all of a sudden you take a step back, you know, and, and then you end up worse than where you, when you started, you know, I feel that I feel as an artist in this day and age, you have to keep your full-time job. You have to pay your bills. You have to, then you have to invest some of your extra money into your art and your extra time, which even if you have to sacrifice sleep or, or sacrifice your days off and, and sacrifice time with the family and focused on your art is something you have to give, you know, unfortunately our society doesn't put artists at a certain level where we need to support them more. And whether it's financially or, or give them space or like art space or, or, you know, I know Denver does a lot for artists. I love that, but you can't say that for a lot of cities in towns uh yeah or society in itself but well, I'm, I'm lucky you know to have a great job too that could do that yeah yeah absolutely let's 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 that's a great uh, segue a great opportunity for segue into the nonprofit which you talked about earlier and one of the things that i don't i know that i don't mention enough that i really feel strongly for is when these kind of opportunities are presented to us as individuals it is our obligation to give back in some way it is our obligation to to help to grow the communities in which we live, the communities in which we work, and the lives that we have, and spread that influence. And I, you know, part of doing this podcast is helping to spread that influence. And so, again, thank you for coming on. I thank want you. to ask you about the nonprofits that that you're involved in and how you're, as an artist, keeping involved in these nonprofits. Take it away. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> oh no, thank you. Uh, that that is the my number one mission and goal is is to help either nonprofits, organizations, coworkers, family, anybody in need, and to raise money. Um, I do it all the time at work. People approach me at my job. Well, you know, I'm I'm part of this organization. I help veterans. Uh, one of the big ones that I that I feel, you know, the most impact that I've done, I think, was uh, Water for People and uh, Mike Wright. We had a solo show for me. And we donated, uh, I think it was 50% of all sales to for Water for People, where they build water wells in third world countries. And yeah. I think that is my biggest joy uh, that so far that I was able to help and donate. Um, I sold uh, that day was the one of the biggest sales, biggest show that I've had in my career uh, to wow. this day. Yeah, it was huge. It was a great turnout. Um, we had a we had pre sales art show from collectors that that bought some pieces. And then the day of the show, we sold more pieces and we were able to sell enough and donate enough to where we were able to help a community and uh, to build a well. So uh, that's, that's probably something that I'll take with me in my art career that would just motivate me, you know, yeah. to be able to do that, you know? So, um, so I've done that. And uh, I've also helped uh, Art of War. There was an Art of War project where you help veterans that suffer from PTSD. So we had art classes. We had uh, at the VFW Post 1 in the Santa Fe Art District. Uh, I was part of that for a while. And we're helping veterans uh, that suffer with PTSD and just through art. And so that was that was very rewarding to be able to, as a veteran also, it was nice to give back to to them. And And so I've helped different organizations but yeah, I, I, I try, always try to help, even if it's a, a friend in need, you know, at work, coworker, or friend, donate our piece, try to raise money. The Pancakes and Booze show, I was able to raise some money for a coworker. Uh, his son had uh, a transplant, and I think, I believe it was a liver transplant or something, and was able to give some money. He was going to be off of work. So all the proceeds from the Pancakes and Booze art show went to to his uh, GoFundMe page. Oh, that's fantastic. And, so, and I know... You have given to Crave Magazine, like I said at the beginning. You you donated some artwork for our uh, Kickstarter and uh, for a 
um, a show. It was actually our very first sort of like Crave Magazine show. So I'm so <laughs> thankful from you being part of that from the very beginning. And here we are, a chance to see where your career has come. And it's so, it's so awesome. I want to get a little deeper into art and what it means to you, because now we're, we're talking about nonprofits. We're talking about giving back, how you've given back to different communities, not just your local community, uh, veteran. And that's another thing. Fellow veteran, what branch were you in? Army. Army, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, was in the, I was in the Navy. And my previous podcast, uh, episode 48, is with Jesse Doyle, and he's a visual artist as well. And he is a, is a Marines veteran. And oh, wow. the art sort of grew out of, out of that, his, his, you know, his uh, military service as a way of dealing with some of the trauma that he experienced in the military service. Oh. And I wondered if you had any of that for yourself of like, to me, art was therapeutic as well. Did you have any of that kind of experience? I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't serve in combat, so it. it I got. I mean, was lucky enough to not to serve in combat, but uh, I, I. For me, art is therapeutic, in a way where I've always said it before. Where when I paint, to me, it's uh, painting is like yoga for the mind. Mm. You know, uh, a lot of people do yoga for the mind also, but physically, but for the body, you know, and things like that. But for me, painting is so relaxing. I have to, I have to literally shut out, you know, all the noise, you know, your everyday noise, whether it's work or bills or issues or, you know, social issues, whatever's going on in around your world in your life. Uh, when you paint, you literally have to shut everything off. You have to meditate before, or at least I meditate before, before I paint, I have to be in a space where I'm not affected by any kind of energy so it's always positive energy. So when you paint, it's almost like letting go of all this that you compressed and held back and you just let all this positive energy or you try to create positive energy. Yeah. So to me, I need it. You know, I need it like a jogger needs to go run. <laughs> I, need like a bike I need to go ride a bike. So to me, painting, and that's what it does for me. You know, that's awesome. it's, it's an output like that. And uh, the second thing that inspires me and motivates me is, when I see people react to my art, you know, to my work, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's to me, it's, it's very powerful. It's I've literally seen people tear up in front of it as they, as they see my work. Yeah. Uh, one of my very first shows, I saw this older lady just standing there and just, I could see her reaction, just grabbing, you know, touching her chest and just going, wow, wow. And just looking at it. And I was so touched by that. I literally grabbed the painting and gave it to her. And she's just like, I can't afford it. Even though they were like at the time, $50, $75. And, and she's like, I can't afford it. Don't, I can't take it. And I'm like, no, it's to me, it means more that this piece is going to you, somebody that really appreciates it. And really just the way it, you know, it affected her. They meant more to me than the money. So, so that's, that's awesome. one of the drives for me is to be able to touch people in that way, in that positive way. So why should we care about art? Question that I always like to ask. As, as a society or as an individual? <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> Either um, or, both. <laughs> I, think, I, I think as an individual, why should we care about art? Well, I think we should care about art just like we care about a beautiful sunset. You know, I think we should care about art as when you see a bird flying by, a beautiful bird, how majestic they flow in the air. You know, so I think... You know, we should care about art like we care about the trees, you know. Um, nature is art, you know. Your kids, your children are art. Yeah. You know, so when you see a painting, the, how, how does it touch you? You know, when you see it uh, work in your, in your house, uh, whether it's a portrait or it's an ornament, whatever it is, I think we should appreciate it like we appreciate everything else around us. It does have an effect of us, whether we realize it or not. Art does, like music, it touches you, right? You know, you're driving to work or you're doing, you're working out. We put music on sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. you're doing the laundry or whatever you're working on your yard, you put music on or you listen to something. I think that we don't give artists that much credibility because it seems like it's a, it's a hobby, right? Mm -hmm. But I think, People don't realize that an artist puts his soul, soul into it. You know, yeah. not just your, not just your finances. Uh, you put your soul into it. You know. Yeah, I love that. I love that. What about as a society? 
That was you brought that second half up. <laughs> I think as a society, we need to invest a lot more resources because, for example, for veterans, you know, it helps them, you know, deal with PTSD. So mm-hmm. we realize that when artists start expressing through art, they kind of release their experiences and they actually opens up more and they talk more about their trauma when you're painting. I remember painting with veterans and all of a sudden they started talking about something that happened or an experience in combat. Mm. And before they were just, you know, close and, and just hold it tight. And uh, all of a sudden they're talking about their story and then you're, you're listening, you're going back. It's almost therapeutic. So that in itself, it's, it's good for the society. You know, when, when you hear veterans talk about their experience and opening up, I think it's uh, it's a service in a way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 1,000%, man. It's something about art and, and how it affects people when they're actually doing it or when they're actually viewing it. You know, I think both of those carry through. In, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, everything you said about caring about art and why, why art is important. But I want to ask you, what do you hope to give back to the world as an artist? I think I know the answer, but <laughs> uh, I think my one of the top things I would like to do as an artist is uh, inspire the next artist. You know, is to somehow inspire, motivate the the next uh, the next the next mind. You know, the next the next uh, human being that wants to pick up a brush. Uh, I I love it when when you hear people, hey man, you inspired me to do art. I, I I'm gonna pick it up. You know, I had a friend of mine that was at the last art show. He's like, incredible. And I was like, what? It was, uh, your art is amazing. I've never seen it in person. Then he's like, and then you sold art. <laughs> and then you talked about the art. Like, he goes, I'm an artist, or at least I paint a little bit, but you make me want to get out there and, and really do it. And I was like, wow, like, that's cool. And then he's like, it was just the way you talk to people and the way they talked about your art and your collectors came by and, and then they bought your art. It's like, it was, but it wasn't even about the money to him. It was more like, it's like, man, the energy, like the way you talked about your work, the way people <laughs> receive your work. And for, so me, that is crucial uh, to be able to inspire the next artist. I think it's the ultimate goal and the ultimate uh, reward for an artist is to inspire the next artist. You know, Dude, that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, uh, to me, that's, that's, that's beautiful in itself to be able to hear the people say, cool man you inspired me to do it and and that's what van gogh did for me directly yeah uh, i don't know when he was painting he wasn't thinking you know 100 years ahead (laughs) they go i'm gonna inspire that guy angel and he's gonna pick up a brush (laughs) he's gonna do incredible things (laughs) but i hope he knows it you know (laughs) were there were there things were there times because you've taken this sort of long path i mean 10 years a long time yeah. But it's a it. But you've had these like, successes all along the way that have encouraged you to keep going and keep going and keep going. Was there any yeah. time during this path where you felt like you wanted to give it up, or you're like, ah, it's just going to be a hobby. I'll never be able to do this full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was times where, where especially when you do you know pop up shows or or you or you're at a cafe or a or a coffee shop and people talk about your art, and some people would say some some really you know bad things about your art they're like really you know i'm two hundred dollars for this you know piece of crap or whatever and yeah, it's like yeah. so it's so discouraging you know you tell yourself you second guess yourself you know so you literally you're your own entrepreneur you're your own marketing guy you're your own you know you're your own cheerleader you know so you know because sometimes how did you get over that like when someone said some something derogatory about your work that or something that hit you well one thing I realize is when when you when you have haters, that means you're you're doing something right. You know. <laughs> so uh, when I heard that at first, you you know you're like you're hurt a little bit. You're like, ow. But then you realize like there's something that motivated this person to say something bad about my art. Obviously, it it triggered something in that person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was positive or negative, the way they took it. But I that's when I knew that my art was powerful yeah. because it motivated somebody that's so bad that they have to put you down. And <laughs> right. I, knew, I knew I was doing something right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so, just a great way to look at it because it is, that's a hearing that your work sucks is it feels like 
doesn't suck. Maybe it does. <laughs> maybe I'm horrible. And no, then you start no. getting that, like, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. But I love the way yeah. you were able to look at it and go, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. And yeah. I create a conversation, at least for a moment. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that's the only way you should take it, man. You know, people are going to try to put you down, knock you down. But, you know, you, you're doing art for yourself. You're not doing it for that specific person. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm only looking when I when I paint, I paint for myself and I paint for that person that's going to buy it. You know, if, if 200 people don't like it, but that one person likes it enough to buy it, that's who I'm painting it for. You know, that's awesome. So, so you know, you can't you can't take it. You, you take everything with a grain of salt, the good or the bad. You know, some people are going to say something bad about your work. It's OK. It's not for yeah. them. You know, right. abstract right. people don't understand abstract, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. It's as much as I can uh, appreciate like classical Renaissance art, I, I would never, I don't think I'd ever own it for the sake of liking it. You know what I mean? Like that's not my jam. It's not really my, I can appreciate it for the historical value, but that's about where it ends, you know? Yeah. 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 The abstract, I feel to me, it's a Polaroid picture of my emotions at the time. Oh, wow. You know, how do you take a picture of your emotion? What are you feeling? You know, when you ask somebody, pay me joy or pay me love or, or pay me, you know, inspiration or pay me how you feel about nature or how you feel about the water, you know, paint that. So, you know, how do you, how do you do that? You know, I can, some people can paint a landscape perfectly. You and I can interpret it different. That's fine. But yeah. to me, abstract is trying to paint your emotion, trying to take a Polaroid snapshot of, of how you feel at that moment. And then hopefully somebody feels exactly what you're feeling as they're, as they're looking at your work. So if you can move people that way, that's powerful. That's super powerful. I had to let that resonate for a second. That's super, <laughs> super powerful. Thank you. Well, what about the darkness? I just had to ask because everything you mentioned was beautiful. And, and I too, I, I'm accused sometimes of being a little bit over positive. But I recognize <laughs> that the darkness exists. I recognize that we have dark times. I recognize that things happen that can bring on these negative emotions. Do you stay away from that in your work or do you embrace that no. sometimes? No, actually, that is the driving force. Um, the, somebody once asked me, he's like, man, you must be the most joyful, happiest person ever. Look at your work. It's so colorful and vibrant. And, and it's actually the other way around is the, is the um, fighting, fighting. I, don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't have depression, but fighting the potential depression, the, what you see around yourself, like, you know, whether it's on uh, our political climate or, or climate change or all that stuff that I take in, all that negativity, mm -hmm. I take it in and that's the driving force of my art. Because the way I look at it is if everything around us, you know, or around me or whatever I see, is, it's uh, affecting me in a, in a certain way where I'm conscious about our climate or, you know, nature and animals and water or whatever to me i take it in really heavy right it affects you or we are super sensitive you know just in nature so yeah. you take it really bad so the way i look at it is how can i turn that and put something beautiful take that energy and create something so i can give back to the world maybe for that moment a positive image or something that can affect them in a joyful way so that's what drives my art is that negative energy you know when you take it in you see it around you you don't know how to deal with it so you kind of just bottle it up when you hit that studio you open it up and you, just go, <laughs> you go. unleash it unleash that negativity you know, all over the canvas oh you just see me do uh my uh abstract expression as pollock stuff you'll you'll be like what got into this guy <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for three four hours straight and just like just unleash it you know yeah that's awesome that if I can refer back to the previous interview, he talked about how when he moved to New York City, they, he had a little gallery slash studio, and he actually spent 24 hours in the studio just painting one time. He's like, nothing but water, and me painting for 24 hours straight to unleash all of the, everything was inside on the on the canvas. So I, yeah, and I can relate with that kind of. To totally agree, man. Totally agree. I mean, I'll, I'll get home from work and still be in my uniform and still want to go paint because I just got to, I just got to let go. You know, it's kind of like somebody needs to hit that gym and hit those weights or, or, yeah. or hit the yoga mat or, or, or go for a run. Uh, that's exactly what it is, you know? And uh, it's not always, 
you know, happy go lucky painting stuff, you know, it's, it's not, you know, <laughs> yeah. for me, it's, it's the universe works on positive and negative energy and uh, everything applies to that. Right. And so whatever I take in negative, I have to, I, sometimes I ball it up and sometimes I just got to turn it around and release it, you know, and it's, it's, and you have to, you know, for your own health, your own mental state, for your, yeah. for your physical health. But, yeah, but that's, sure. what, that, that's, that's a good question, man. Cause that's what drives my art is um, everything that you see around you. That's, that's negative. You have to deal with it some way or another. Right. So therapeutically for me is to just turn it around and turn it into a positive. And you put out something beautiful in the world. It's it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Something else, as we begin to wrap up, I want people to be able to get in touch with you. And then I have another announcement, which is this is the best time to, to give it, I guess. So for anybody who wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? I think you can go through my website, uh, okay. espinoarte.com, E-S-P-I-N-O-A-R-T-E.com. Okay. Uh, you can go through my email there or my phone numbers there. You can call me uh, or you can message me there. Uh, Instagram also. Angel okay, Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Say it again. Uh, it's, uh, I'm on Instagram. My handle is Angel Espino, A-N-G-E-L-E-S-P-I-N-O. And then at the end is A-R-T-E, Angel Espino Arte. Arte. Okay, awesome. And so on your website or on Instagram, I also, while you're talking, I did Google Angel Espino Artist, and that is 100% you. Your website <laughs> is first. There's an article about you. So Angel Espino and I want to thank you so much for being on the Art Unknown podcast and announce that you are our latest artist on the Art Unknown store. So I'm so <laughs> thankful to have you on there. Your art looks so cool. So oh, cool. Man. The pieces that you chose look so, so cool. Awesome. I want to say that Jan Race really loves the the bubblegum princess the piece oh, that you talked wow. about actually so that's her favorite piece <laughs> oh that's cool that's a good piece i i told my collector that the, the clothing is coming out and and they're excited they're ready to buy especially the owners of that piece <laughs> oh fantastic fantastic well this is the announcement uh you're our featured artist on the art unknown store and on google when i googled angel espino art day or angel angel, angel espino artist the art unknown store is the third listing on oh, there. So that's nice. actually really cool. That, <laughs> but Mike Wright is still on there fourth and he's not even, really? he's not even in business anymore. You're still on the, wow. you're still, it's that's a Pinterest page that has Mike Wright tagged. So that's awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for doing this. I'm Absolutely, glad man. I'm Any last words you'd like to share with the, with the audience? Any words um, of wisdom or thoughts about your work or anything? <laughs> oh, I think, I think it's a great question. You said, why should we care about art? And uh, I, I think that as, you know, for your listeners, uh, for whether you're a, a, a fan of art or not, get out there, look at art, expose yourself to as much art. Your soul needs it. Society needs it. We all need it in one way or another, whether it's sculpture, music, poetry, just, just try to expose yourself to much art in any kind of art. It'll, it'll do us a lot of good society, you know, your you know, personal level. Um, and I just want to say thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be a part of this. I think you're, you're doing something good, not just for yourself, but for, for your business, for your, for the artists, but also for society, man, we all need as much, as many outlets as possible. And this is a good, great outlet for artists. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that angel so much as well. Thank you. The world needs more art, man. Best that you said it. So we'll just end it right there. Thank you again for being on the podcast and, and, and take care, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The music for this episode of the podcast is from our friend Ben Mackinnon. The song is called The Goliath Confession off the album The Goliath Beetle and the Ladybug. Also, check out episode 34 of the podcast where Ben and I sit down and chat about his music, his art, and his filmmaking. And Ben has a new award-winning documentary called Jazztown about the history of jazz music in Denver, Colorado. Check out benmackinen.com to learn more. As you heard earlier in the podcast, Angel's work is the latest and greatest to be featured at the Art Unknown store. Just head on over to artunknownstore.com where you can find the best in athletic wear and accessories from some of the Art Unknown podcast artists. 
bonus time. All listeners get 10% off any order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code AUPODCAST10 when you check out for your discount. Once again, that's ArtUnknownStore.com. Thank you for enjoying the Art Unknown podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer, and I am super grateful for each and every one of you who listen. Until next time, remember to take care of one another, and as always, feed your soul with art.